I spent time with a very good friend yesterday. She is 78 years old. She's seen a lot. She's fully participated in life from the civil rights movement to the March on Washington recently in the past few years. Um, to so many things in between. She's really just shown up. She lived in the wilderness of Vermont in a house she built with her own hands with her husband. She's lived a very full life and she's not nearly done. She has a lot of full living left for, for her and for the world. And we talked about this idea of discomfort And it's something that worries her the most about the world right now is that so many people are unwilling to be uncomfortable. And we went into that idea pretty deeply over our few hour conversation and a lot stirred in me. This is something I've been working with for years, this, the invitation of discomfort What does discomfort tell us? What does it ask of us? And one of my plant allies that has taught me so much about this particular question is nettles. Stinging nettle or urtica dioca is a plant that is native to North America, but also Europe. It is called stinging nettle because it has these trichomes on the branches, well, really more like stems, and on the leaves, they're like little tiny hairs, and they inject formic acid into the skin, which causes uh, a hive-like rash and a burning sensation. When I was a kid, my aunt called this burn hazel, um, and I've heard it called that by other people too, as sort of a folk name for stinging nettle. It's found all over here in North America where I live. It was a, an extremely important plant ally to the people of, of Europe, Western Europe, especially. Um, it was used in the textile industry for you know, a long time. Uh, nettle makes an incredibly strong fiber. It was used to make clothing and... Um, all sorts of things. Um, so th- this plant is also deeply nourishing. It has some of the highest concentration of minerals of any plant on land. It's comparable to seaweed with its concentration of minerals. It's a tonic to the body, and it's something I drink regularly as an infusion. Uh, its seeds are adaptogenic, so it helps us deal with stress. The seeds can actually give us a lot of energy. So tinctures or teas made from the seeds should be taken carefully um, because it can give us more energy than maybe we want. Um, And this plant is uncomfortable to work with. Mostly I use gloves when I'm working with this plant unless I'm taking just a leaf or two, in which case if I move mindfully, I can harvest without being stung. We plant nettles next to our hose in the summertime so that we're mindful about water consumption. It teaches us care and stewardship and mindfulness. And it teaches us about our willingness to confront discomfort in order to seek 
that which we deeply long for. There's an old folk tradition of flogging with nettles, especially people who are arthritic or have uh, like low back pain. They would have someone flog them with stinging nettle. So sort of hitting them over the arthritic joint or over the low back with nettles to induce that inflammatory rash. Which actually has anti-inflammatory qualities in the body once it subsides. Very much like bee venom um, that has been used for inflammation and arthritis. The excitement of the immune response and the inflammatory response in the body from the nettles or the bee sting actually has anti-inflammatory properties a lot like um, maybe taking a steroid might. So nettles has this long history of being used to ease pain by inducing pain. And there is a deep lesson in that for us a lesson about the gifts of discomfort and how walking towards discomfort, walking towards inflammatory situations when they're safe and controlled actually brings us an invitation for healing. So with the help of nettles, I'd like to try and carry this analogy over into some of what um, I'm seeing in our social sphere and in our collective community of wholeness that as this kindredness of being humans on the earth. And this is something my friend and I talked about so much yesterday, the way we run from discomfort or when we start to feel discomfort, we want to blame someone and fight against them to make the discomfort go away. That shifting from being uncomfortable to being angry and blaming feels better. It feels more empowered. But that empowered feeling is a false empowerment. It is, it's not real empowerment. Real empowerment comes when we move toward integrity and when we walk in a way that honors wholeness. Severing and cutting off so that we can blame and attack is weakness. True strength is seeing ourselves in the other and being willing to ask questions so that we can deeply understand why we are uncomfortable and if that discomfort is real or a projection coming out of ignorance. When we encounter someone whose life choices are very different than ours, whose beliefs are very different than ours, whose very worldview seems confronting to our own, it is easy to look at them as the other, as the enemy. It is easy to feel rage and wrath rise up in us and to want to eradicate them. There are plenty of people all over the world who have eradicated nettles because it stings and it's inconvenient and it's, in their worldview, unsightly. 
So maybe they weed whack over it or they pour Roundup on it. They eradicate it as the other, as something that is unwelcome. When that plant is holding within it so much nutrition, so much medicine, but because we are stuck in our desire for ease and comfort, we aren't willing to go through the inconvenience of creating relationship with that plant so that we can mutually benefit from each other. This is the same kind of situation that we have with the people who are like us on the other side of the line, whether that line is political or religious. We project our need for comfort and ease and for our worldview to be the worldview. And we want that other person, that other position on things to be eradicated in the same way some people want to eradicate nettles. That is not true empowerment. That is a false edifying of a single point of view, which does not lend itself to holism, which is for many of us, the goal. Our goal is to be whole and complete to know that all possibilities exist within us and to choose within those possibilities what we want to make strong in us. I choose a position of healing and and peace and wholeness, but I know the impulse for war and destruction lives within me. So how can I move toward that part of myself in a way that doesn't sever that, that doesn't cast it out, but understands it and understands the conditions that call it forth so that I can consciously create conditions in my life that do not call that part of me forth, knowing that it exists. This is the same posture that we could take together as a world, knowing the seeds of war that live within us, knowing the seeds of corruption, the seeds of overpowering that live within us and creating wise societies and systems that minimize the conditions that call that forth. We know the conditions that call forth these parts of ourselves, inequality, despair, suffering, hopelessness, meaninglessness, These are the conditions that call forth destruction, that call forth this desire to eradicate what we see as the cause of our suffering, which is almost never actually the cause of our suffering. So on this, which is Veterans Day in the United States, what started out as Armistice Day, a day when we chose peace We honor the warrior archetype, the part of us that is willing to step forward and risk our lives for the whole, for the greater good, for the good of all. And sometimes that sort of sacrifice is truly necessary to stand against forces that are so imbalanced 
that they would burn the world to the ground for their own power. And to those warriors who have stood up against forces like that to keep the rest of us safe, the gratitude I feel runs so deep and I'm so grateful. And my own family line is full of warriors who showed up on the battlefield and died there. And today, are we willing to face our own discomfort? Our own ignorance? With the same kind of courage and stoicism as those warriors who were willing to step onto the battlefield and die to protect us? Call to mind a person that embodies a worldview that you feel is so threatening to your own way of being. Someone you consider to be on the other side of the line. Is there possibly an invitation within that discomfort? An invitation to see humanity in the one who you would other or who you are afraid has othered you? Is it possible that within the tension of that polarity, there's an invitation for something new to arise, something deeply rooted and nourishing, like nettles, an elixir of wholeness, a truth that is deeper than these talking points that we choose to hold on to to secure our position as opposite the person on the other side of the line? Is there a bigger truth that can hold it all? I am purposefully talking about this in vague terms because for me to call out any particular position would be to entrench myself in that position. And that is not what I am here to do and it is not I am not willing to do that. I stand firmly in the place of wholeness. That whatever side of any line you stand on, you belong to the people on the other side of that line just as much as you belong to the people on your side of the line. And the discomfort that we feel as we approach that line, that hedge of nettles, is an invitation to ask deeper questions, to be willing to be vulnerable enough to understand those who we fear would want to eradicate us and to understand the part of us that would want to eradicate them. The world would be so much better without X, Y, and Z type of person. That is an invitation to look more deeply what is the threat, the true threat that is there? This is alchemy. This is deep magic. This is why witches confront the forces of darkness, because we know that's where the power is. And the forces of darkness, which are just veiled light, 
luminous darkness exist within these chasms, these voids, these cracks between two poles. If you study biology, mitosis occurs when the centrioles migrate to the opposite sides of the cell and begin to pull away from each other, casting out their microtubules to organize the genetic material within the cell. And when they separate as far as they possibly can away from each other, the cell breaks in cytokinesis. It breaks in half and two cells are now created. This nourishes the growth of life. And in each cell, the genetic material of the opposite cell is recreated. They don't ever actually leave each other. They are two halves of the same whole. And over and over again, they separate and then recreate what they have separated from. This is the power of life. This is the seed of growth. When we look on the other side of the line, what we are polar opposite from, and then we find that in ourselves in wholeness. It is the basic truth of biology. It is reflected in physical matter. And it's also true in the spiritual world. This artificial line that gets drawn is actually the invitation to new life and to wholeness. And so on this Veterans Day, on this day that we celebrate the warrior, I invoke the energy of nettle, the power in discomfort, the willingness to feel what is difficult to feel with a tenderness and a knowing that that discomfort will bring us healing if we're willing to stay soft, to stay open, and to stay curious, to know that our temptation to be rigid and entrenched is just one part of the wholeness and that whatever we see on the other side of the line exists also within us. How can we create lives that call forth wholeness and harmony and minimize the germination of the seeds of war and violence and destruction. That is the invitation that I feel from Nettle and that I feel within my own heart today. <laughs> 